This episode of Scope MD focuses on how to cope during COVID-19. Kelly Grasslugs will highlight the importance of gratitude, hope, and resilience. Kelly is a grief therapist with over 25 years serving oncology patients. She is the author of A Comforted Heart and founder of Conversations with Kelly. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about unexpected realities for healthcare workers in terms of stress and change and routine. One thing I've noticed is the wide range of emotions. Is it normal for healthcare workers to be feeling just a wide range of emotions at work right now? It absolutely is. And I think part of that is because of the pressure that is placed upon the healthcare worker. I, I've never seen anything like this. And I worked in the pandemic of SARS and the Ebola and the H1N1 in the hospitals, and it wasn't anything like this. It just, it, this, is, this is something different. And it absolutely is normal, although very uncomfortable for people to be feeling this way. I think because every day is so different, but this this has a whole new level of stress that people have to face when they come in. They don't they they don't know. They don't know what is the PPE that they're going to have available? What are the guidelines that are going to be available? How are they going to come in contact with a patient that day that's positive? Are they going to have a patient die or five patients die or what is it going to be? So we're in very uncertain times right now and very new times. And anytime we as humans arrive at a place that's new and uncertain to us, we will have a lot of emotions that come up. Absolutely. It's it's incredibly normal. I mean, and and the thing is, is it's a wave of emotions. And what we want to try to do is embrace those and say them and not judge them. I think that's really important. So we're going to have anger, we're going to have sadness, we're going to have, there might even be joy amongst some of this, because maybe there was a moment that we saved somebody or that we figured out a protocol or that we were able to have lunch or, or whatever that may be. But what I am really encouraging healthcare providers right now to do is to embrace where you're at. And this isn't about, this isn't the time to be like, well, I'm the physician. I signed up for this. I'm the nurse. I signed up for this. It's the time to be honest and authentic with what we're feeling. I think that's the important part rather than judging. So if we can embrace more versus judge, that in itself is a mechanism that will help us be able to ride this out for the duration that we're going to ride this out for. What about difficulty concentrating at work? So I'm hearing a lot of people right now talking to me about forgetfulness, you know, so to be informed of what's important is helpful, but to be inundated is dangerous. And we're getting inundated right now with a lot of things, not only in our own personal lives, what we're trying to do for our families, but in our professional lives as healthcare providers. And so our brain can only take on so much and process so much. And I think we get to this fatigue level mental fatigue, emotional fatigue, that it's hard to even focus and concentrate. Now, I do want to say that people come in, you know, everybody's come into this pandemic or this COVID-19 experience with their already existing stories of life. Okay, so this might be a continuation of somebody's trauma story, or it might be the first time they've ever felt this kind of trauma. Both of them can certainly impact our cognitive our cognitive ability. I will I want to say though too that a hard time focusing can be a symptom of depression, clinical depression. And so if it's correlated with some other things such as loss of sleep, which is another thing many of us are feeling right now, appetite changes, irritability, 
tearfulness to the point where we can't stop crying, whatever that may be, it can also be another symptom of depression. And so we may want to check in with our healthcare provider if it's been going on, especially if it started even prior to this, and now it's just gotten exacerbated. It's something we may want to have assessed because um, healthcare providers right now are at, at huge risk for anxiety disorders and depression. What do you have as far as advice for healthcare providers adjusting to these new roles and unexpected stresses? You know, we're all figuring that out right now. And I think that's the beautiful thing is that we are truly in this together. There have been many times where I've worked, um, when I worked at the university hospital, and I might have a colleague that just went through a divorce. I could join them and hold space for them, but I didn't really understand what was going on or somebody had just lost a child or somebody just lost a parent or whatever that may be. We're actually truly all in this together. And I think we have to have patience for ourselves and for each other and not have an expectation that we're supposed to have this all figured out right now. I think that's one of the greatest lessons is that we have to have more compassion and we have to have more room for mistakes and feelings of inadequacy and fear. And, you know, the, the best thing we can do is say it out loud, like say it to a colleague, because then they can say back to you often, I get that. And somebody can't necessarily fix it for us. You know, they can't fix it for us, Lori, but they can certainly arrive at our space with us and hold it and maybe acknowledge it or affirm it for us. And that is so important. It's so important, but we, we've never done this. So we can't, you know, I think I'm hearing a lot of people because they're at the top of their game in their field and they've always been able to figure everything out and scientists and there's protocol. And if this presents, this is what we do. You know, we've got the top executives in the white house are still learning this every day. And so I think just being more compassionate and gentle and patient is going to be really important. Do you have any advice what we should not be doing right now? Sometimes the things I don't think are helpful is maybe what brings comfort to someone else, like overwatching the news. Some people are feeling like the more information they have, the more comfortable they get. But actually, I want to say that there is a little bit of danger in getting inundated with this information. What we tend to do as humans is we tend to um, gravitate to the catastrophic stories. There are actually... More than not, people are surviving this and recovering from this, but we're seeing the worst case scenarios, right? In the hospital or on the news, because that's the whole focus right now. What's the death toll? What's the, what's this, what's that? And so I, I do want to encourage people to limit social media, limit the news. Another thing is make sure you're staying incredibly hydrated. It's really important right now. Even if you don't feel thirsty, the grief experience which is what many of us are in as a collective right now, because we've had a huge loss of life as we knew it, is dehydrating. I would encourage people to limit alcohol. I mean, I know that that is this thing that everybody hears about, but I would encourage that because I'm not saying not have a glass of wine or a beer or whatever, but this daily use of it or overuse of it to numb out what's going on will actually have long-term implications for people that can be quite devastating. In, in terms of an emotional reaction. So that would be one thing. I think also before you go to bed, practice really good hygiene and sleep hygiene, which is limiting electronics, quiet music, not having the TV on, focusing on something you're grateful for, which is going to be really important. Um, right now, people are having a hard time finding things they're grateful for. But if you have, even if you have access to the internet, 
that's something to be grateful for, right? I mean, as strange as that sounds, but if you can stay connected to people, if you had dinner that night, that's a gratitude. If you have the day off tomorrow, that's something for grateful. But gratitude can help us ease our way into a better sleep. Circling back to how people are having a hard time concentrating and the importance of really staying present or in the moment, do do you have any other thoughts about how do we do that? It's really important to get in touch with our our senses. So noticing our feet on the ground, like that's really important. That term grounded comes from that. Moving your toes around in your shoes is actually a way to be mindful of a sensory of getting grounded. Moving your fingers around, squeezing them, noticing what do you smell, what do you hear, and what do you see? And even tasting in any of the senses can help ground us. So that's why we're at work. I also think find a focal spot that you can, if you're feeling kind of like you can't concentrate, people are even saying they kind of feel like they're out of their body a little bit right now. They're just, they're in kind of this daze and we are, you know, that movie, I don't know if you've seen Narnia where they're like in the wardrobe and then they walk out and it's like the snow. That's how I feel every single day. Like I walk into the snow and I'm like, what the heck? You know, Um, I want to go back in the wardrobe. It's, it's so, it's so interesting because we, we have so much resiliency as human beings, but we're not accessing it enough right now. And so one of the things that makes us stronger and more focused is our senses and our ability to ground. Now at home, nature is is so important at work. Nature is so important. Do we have five minutes in our day? And I know we we are walk we are all walking around with this scarcity mindset right now. We don't have time for this. We don't have this. We don't have that. That's a dangerous thing to be doing, and yet we're all doing it. Can we step outside for five minutes? Can we hear the birds? Can we see the trees? Can we look at the sky? Can we feel the ground? At home, same thing. Taking a bath if you can. You know, some of these things to just music, whatever it may be. But at work, one of the quickest things is kind of moving your feet in your shoes, your toes around, feeling them, and then just really getting planted where you're standing or sitting can can be very, very helpful. What other coping skills or other skills have you learned from your work with cancer patients that might be really applicable to us now? So um, one of the things I say often, because so I've worked in oncology for 25 years, but I particularly worked a lot with metastatic patients. And so did quite a bit with people who are terminally ill and then have a background in hospice. I will say that where I've learned to live is from the dying. I mean, the dying have taught me how to live, period. It might sound like an oxymoron, but it's actually very true. And so when people are diagnosed with cancer or a life-limiting illness, they have arrived at a time that we're arriving at now, which is a very unknown time, very scary time. We don't know the outcome. We don't know the duration. We don't know. We're going to try this isolation stuff. We're going to see if it flattens the curve. They're going to try treatment. There's so many parallels to this. And in fact, some of the people that are doing the best are some of the patients I've worked with in the sense of they've already kind of traveled a very similar road to this. They're scared because their immunity and they're isolated, but at the same time, they know what it's like to live with uncertainty and fear. And so I've learned how to embrace the moment and be in the now because the future has not arrived yet and the past is gone. And when we try too hard to live in the past, we're going to feel very anxious. And when we are in the past, we're going to feel depressed. And if we live too far in the future, we're going to feel anxious. So each day at work, it's like, this is what I can do right now in this hour. My task right now 
is to do this. And that's very true with cancer treatment too. It's like, we can't get too far ahead. Is this going to work? I've heard it works after three cycles. Is It's like right now we're in this cycle, we're in this moment, and we're feeling pretty good right now. Like we know these side effects can happen. I've learned how to come back to now, Lori. I've, I've learned how to have perspective that things that can feel really big to me, I, I need to kind of take them down and and have great perspective on them. I mean, in, in truly gratitude is another thing I've learned, like being very grateful. When people are terminal, their worlds get very small. Um, they get smaller, but they don't get less beautiful. And they actually live big within a small world. So they fill up that entire world. We are at that place now. We Our worlds have gotten smaller, but we can live in a, we can live bigger in a smaller world. We can appreciate people. We can say thank you to a coworker. Um, maybe there's opportunities to be, have forgiveness right now. Maybe we've been holding grudges that really aren't serving us. And now the perspective is kind of like, what does this really matter at this point? You know, I have to say I've learned the most from my patients with cancer. And I've also learned that we can do hard things and that we have a resiliency within us that is there for all of us. We just don't access it enough. You know, and I think that's going to be the thing that's going to come out of this for a lot of healthcare workers is when they look back on that, they're going to go, wow, I did it. I did it. One of your chapters in your book is entitled Hope is Medicine. And I'm curious, what do you mean by that? Hope is medicine. And for me, again, having worked with people who are dying, you know, one would think that it would be hopeless. One of the things when I teach medical residents who are in training is I really encourage them to not use the phrase, there's nothing more we can do. Because from a hospice standpoint or a palliative care standpoint or an end of life standpoint, that's an insult to that that type of treatment and that type of philosophy, because there's a lot more we can do. It's just, there's not anything we can do anymore to cure, but curing and healing are not the same. Like we can all heal. And in fact, I've seen some of the most beautiful healing in the last couple hours of somebody's life. They were finally able to receive love. They were finally able to say, I love you. They were able to do forgiveness. They finally felt safe enough to honor their faith, whatever it may be. And so hope is tied into that. There isn't necessarily hope for cure, but there will always be hope for healing. And I think right now we have to be hopeful that we can trust enough, whoever is guiding us um, in terms of, you know, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burke, whoever is guiding us, um, Minnesota Department of Health, our governor, our own physicians, our own nurses, that we can hope that we will have enough trust in these people to listen to what they're going to say. I mean, I think that's another thing that's available for all of us. Hope is simply, it's a break from negativity and fear. And so that's where it is medicine for me, because we get to take a break. We get If we're hopeful, we can take a break from all this fear and negativity that we're living in daily and the noise, the constant noise. And I think that that's, you know, we step into the day and my hope today is that I will feel safe enough, protected enough, loved enough, and that I will have moments in my day today where I felt I did the best I could do. And I think that that's, you know, again, that's a hope. Hope gets such a bad rap because it can sound like butterflies and all this stuff. That's not what it is to me. I, it's really about, and state, you know, let's, let's go to work each day and let's state what our hope is for the day. Another word for it is intention. 
My hope today is that every patient that comes in, I am going to know whatever I need to do to deal with them. And if I don't, somebody will be there to help me. Or my hope is that today, the number of positive cases we have is going to go down. Or my hope today, whatever it may be, is that I will be healthy enough and I'll get through my day and have enough energy to enjoy my family. And so, it, you know, I just, that's what I mean by it is that it's available to all of us. Like it's available to all of us. And I've seen some of the most traumatic stories in life be met with phrases such as, I hope when this is over. And that, that always just sits with me like, wow, like they are in the most traumatic experience of their life. And they're already thinking and hopeful that this too will be over. And so if people, if one person can do it, then many of us can do it if we, if we're open to learning from them. So it's available to all of us. It really is. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, we have big hopes. We have hopes that this is going to come to a halt very shortly and that nobody in our healthcare team is going to die from this or be so sick from this or whatever that may be. And then we have other size hopes. Whereas, you know, I just hope today I can get outside for a while and enjoy, but everybody gets to state it in the morning. Sometimes it doesn't come true. And then we get to the nice thing about hope is we get to recycle it the next day, you know, so I think that's important to know. How would you suggest we support colleagues or other people in our life who lose a loved one during this time of social distancing? So this is what I'm spending a lot of my time on right now. You know, when I earned my fellowship in grief counseling, I, I never anticipated. I mean, we talked about world tragedies and, and all of this, but it's never really impacted a grief aspect like this is because of all the guidelines that are instilled on our funeral industry and even letting being with family members when they die and all of this that's so limited. The thing about grief is it doesn't go into quarantine and and it doesn't. It doesn't it doesn't care that we're in a time right now of needing to be distancing and isolating and all that it it just it doesn't. And so there's really no way that somebody can kind of put that on hold until we're in the all clear. And so when we have friends or family that have lost somebody. And, you know, by the way, people are dying every day from things outside of COVID. And so I'm hearing from a lot of people right now, they're kind of feeling they're having another loss on top of this because, or if they lost somebody a month ago, the whole focus right now is on COVID-19. And so they may have lost somebody to heart disease, but now we're a month later and it's kind of like it never happened. And so one thing we can do is be very mindful especially for those that had the pre-loss to this, to check in with them, to call them, say the name of the deceased. That is so, so, so important for physicians, for nurses, for, for friends, for families to, to say, you know, I heard a song and I was thinking of your dad, Joe, today, and I just wanted to call you and how are you doing? Or, you know, even name it for them if they've had a, a, a loved one die this week. That must be so hard that your sister Mary died during all of this, because it probably feels like it's getting pushed into a corner or ask people, which is actually the best way to do it, which is how is this impacting you and allow them to kind of open up. But saying the name is really important. Another thing I'm encouraging right now is sending, if you can commit to this, sending a sympathy card once a month for the next six months, at least, because even when this is done, and we don't know when that's going to be done, meaning that we're going to be able to have some of the restrictions lifted. 
even when this is done, it's going to be really important that they are also acknowledged as this is a really tough time because COVID-19 and the restrictions are complicating grief like I've never seen before. I actually have concerns about the repression that people are having to do. And we can't have physical touch right now. You know, there's creative things like there's drive-by visitations, there's drive-by memorial services where people drive by and they honk, but they don't get to physically hug and touch. And, you know, there's something to be said about that. So it's also really sweet to say in the card that I owe you 10 minute hug or whatever that may be when we come through this, I think is a really sweet thing. And when you commit to it, please follow through. Because that's another thing with the bereaved is they get really tired of these empty commitments that people don't do. Like, I'm going to come over or call me if you need me or whatever that may be. So this is an opportunity for us to really step up and do something and also commit to something that when we get through this, because, you know, again, we don't, the person that we lost, we don't want them to be forgotten. And so that's one thing we can do is say their name. It's very important. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for providing your wisdom and advice for healthcare workers. Do you have any other final thoughts about how healthcare workers can really just get through this time or any other thoughts you might have? Well, you know, I think we have to first remember that we're human and that that cannot be forgotten. And, and when we're human, we have emotions, we make mistakes, we get angry, we don't want to do this. It, and I also want to say that it's okay that if you don't want to be essential right now, like it's okay to have those feelings. I think so much of what's going on right now is there's this clash with what we're having as human experiences, which are very usual and very normal and very acceptable. This clash with what we're being told and all this, you know, it's great to be told we're heroes and it's great to be told we're special and it's all this, but sometimes those two can clash and it can be like this unspoken pressure on us. And so let yourself be human. Um, take breaks from COVID to, you know, like really take breaks. I have a, a friend that's a PA in an ER and like, I want to talk to her about how her dog's doing, you know, because her whole life is COVID-19 right now and it's everything. And she goes home and people are asking her about it and all these protection methods she has to do with her clothes and all that she really appreciated that we could actually talk outside of COVID and so talk about something different. And I think that that's, that's really important. Um, But to also trust and to know that not only are we going to get through this, but we already are getting through this. And I think that that is just really, really important to remember, even when we're feeling stuck and uncertain, that it's not always about when are we going to get through this? It's reminding ourselves that we are getting through this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Scope MD. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an upcoming episode.